0: Hello everyone, my name is Rick, Rick Van Bruggen from NeoTechnology, and uh, here we are again recording another Neo4j Graphistania podcast session, and today I'm joined by uh, one of my colleagues actually in the Neo4j engineering team, Craig Taverner. Hi Craig. Hi Rick. Hey, good to have you on the podcast, thanks for joining me. Thank you. Yeah. Craig, you, you've been... Um, You've had an interesting journey with Neo4j, first as a community member, then as a customer of Neo4j, and now as one of our uh, engineering team leads, right? So why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, you and your relationship to the wonderful world of graphs?
1: Yeah, uh, it's an interesting story. I guess um, I should say that my background is in pure science, but uh, when I had the opportunity to move to Sweden uh, about 17 years ago to work in telecoms, I got involved in software for uh, engineering telecom networks and optimizing telecom networks and uh, entrepreneurial work, starting companies. And I I did that for about a decade and a half. My last company, we were building um, modeling software for uh, doing GIS modeling, mapping modeling of telecom networks and the data coming from telephones as well. And that's where I got involved in graphs, because it's a very graph-like domain. There's a lot of inter- interconnections, relationships, relationships between phones and the network, between people, between the services, uh, between the signals. There's, there's a lot of complexity there that is really natural for graphs. And I had an opportunity um, to meet Emil back in uh, 2009, I think. And he tried to convince me that Neo4j would be the right Database for our product. And I he said, He does to that him,
0: with everyone. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs>
1: and, and he really, you know, he, he didn't succeed, but he did. <laughs> he, he put the seed in my mind. Yeah. He, he proved to me that this was a cool idea. But I told him we already were on MySQL and uh, it, it was working fine for us. And that was it. But a couple of months later, I was faced with a, a database refactoring problem. And uh, I needed to enhance the data model. And I was sitting there thinking, this would have been easier in Neo4j. I, I remembered what Emil had said about the way things worked. It was the whiteboard friendliness that really sold me. And I put my most junior developer on the project and said, listen, could you just model this up in Neo4j? And this guy was a guy that always did Google searches for sample code. And even back in 2009, he managed to find all of the examples that he needed from the community and got it done really quickly. Oh, and that way. told me that the product was more mature and the community was more mature than I had anticipated. Wow. And it, it was the junior guy who did it, so I was sold. And we, within a, a month, we ported the whole product over, and that was the beginning <laughs> of the story for me.
0: Oh, wow. And is this also when you got involved in the neo j Spatial uh, uh, add-on to to Jade?
1: yes. Um, once we ported the telecom model, we had a need to uh, visualize it in our map, with a map uh, user interface, and so I built a simple quad tree as a tree structure in the graph itself, and then presented that at a conference at the end of the year. When I got in contact with uh, Tobias, one of the other engineers. Um, in Neo4j.
0: Who I've also interviewed. (laughs) Yeah.
1: And he'd done a similar thing, and we started brainstorming, and this led to a collaboration between my company and NeoTechnology. So for 2010 and 11, we collaborated to build the Neo4j Spatial Data Modeling Library, which actually is a very, very rich GIS platform for doing quite complicated uh, geographical analysis as uh, data models within the graph, and that was really, really great. Then of course I, I I focused on my own company for a few years and we we moved our markets to Asia and worked there for a while, but when the entire company got shifted to Asia, I uh, came back <laughs> to Neo. So I was out of Grass for a while.
0: Uh-huh.
1: And uh, 2014, I uh, switched to actually being an employee and and worked with uh, with the engineering team in Malmo, and that's that's been really great because it's been fantastic being a customer and now to actually get into the insights and really see what's going on deep inside the product I mean that's fantastic as well
0: super so what, what have you been working on most uh, recently within the L4j engineering earthquake?
1: well I've been with the company for over two years um, most of the time I was working in Cypher uh, or as an engineering Cypher also as a team lead for Cypher but the last uh, more than half a year say eight months or so I've been the team lead for security we've been building the first uh, fully featured security model for Neo4j with multiple users and roles and all the things you would expect of a security model, which we're now releasing in
0: 3.1. Which is something that I know a lot of our customers are looking forward to. So uh, thank you so much for taking that on. <laughs> really great. And and uh, so so what, you've mentioned a couple of things already, Craig, but the, you know what was it that really attracted you and that made you... Um, sort of uh, get into graphs uh, most? Is it, is it that whiteboard friendliness or the flexibility? Or what, what stands out for you, uh, uh, if you, if you don't mind uh, talking about that a little bit? I think
1: the strongest thing for me has been the whiteboard friendliness and the fact that you can um, really understand your data model so much better when you work with a, a database that is so similar in the way to how anyone thinks about their data model. In in my case with telecoms, it was completely natural. And then also with maps. And the map side, I think, is a particular passion of mine. I've been involved in GIS for, in many different ways in the past. But when it comes to graphs, the synergy is enormous. And it reminds me of the fact that so much of graph theory actually came out of mapping analysis of, of GIS. So it's a a passion for me to actually see Neo4j get more involved in graphs again. So even though we built that graph system back in 2010 and 11, that's very external to the product. Now we're looking at building graph capabilities, I mean, spatial capabilities into the product itself. Uh, That's going to be uh, super exciting. I'm I'm hoping we're going to get into that more and more quite soon. We've done a little bit in the last year, but... um, if if we're lucky i think it's going to be something we can see some more of in the future
0: well it's really cool to see how how it got picked up uh, really quickly in the epoch uh, developments right there's a couple of really nice uh, uh, procedures that uh, that that allow for much easier access i think to the spatial libraries right
1: well what we did is two things um i collaborated with michael on this of course in epoch we did uh, geocoding only but outside of epoch with michael's support as well we built a, a series of, uh, of procedures on top of the old spatial library, the one that I mentioned before. So that library has been revamped and polished up a little bit now for the 3.x series of Neo4j, using procedures making it far more accessible from Cypher than it was before. Yeah. So I think that's going to uh, help the market a lot because up until this point, using spatial the spatial library from uh, Cypher has been difficult and in fact buggy due to the difference in the way cipher interacts with indexes and the way the old library was designed to interact with indexes coded back in the java api days so i think this is going to help a lot um the library does have some limitations some performance issues as well so although i don't think this is going to make it applicable to all markets i think it's going to open up the markets enough that we will get the feedback we need which will help us design the built-in version of spatial for the future which is going to be fast it won't have any of those performance problems or any other
0: issues yeah yeah well you know i can only confirm that you know it's it's been one of those domains where there's been a lot of um, customer use cases as well you know if you look at one of our you know big customers in Europe, like TomTom, they've been, <laughs> they've been doing quite a bit of work on Neo4j already, sort of like confirming that, you know, their maps are effectively graphs, right? So, um, and then, you know, there's a lot of uh, interest in it. And I think the APOC work has already uh, made it a lot more usable for non-programmers, you know, like myself, you know, I can use it the, the spatial library now, which I couldn't do before, you know, it's pretty simple. That's well, fantastic to hear. Yeah, so so Greg, um, where is this going? Where you know where? <laughs> what does the future hold, uh, both for you know the j uh, uh, developers that you're working on now, but also for you know things like Spatial, and maybe even for you know our industry? You know, what what do you think is uh, around the bend?
1: Well, round the bend, um, there's, uh, there's so many things you could say. I mean, all speculation, of course, when you look into the future. But I could say a few things about spatial in particular, because we have um, real buy-in, I believe, from the company for a certain element of spatial. Uh, the location-based search, distance calculations, point data, which is something that almost anyone in any industry is likely to end up needing. So we see a very large demand for that. And that's something that I think we're gonna see coming in very soon with high quality and high performance. But I think there is an interesting thing that we should uh, consider, and that is the whole element of graphs and spatial. If you look at uh, industry leaders in this area, like uh, Oracle and PostGIS and others, they are doing some very advanced graph analysis on relational backends. Where what they do is they pull data out of relational stores, build complex graphs in memory, do the graph analysis in memory, and then either present the results to the user or save them back into the tables. There is an opportunity there, a sweet spot for a native graph database with the index free adjacency that Neo4j has yeah. to be able to do that far more efficiently and and scale to much, much larger sizes without having to have the same RAM requirements and CPU requirements that the other databases have. But we're talking about something well beyond the current plans um, for Neo4j Spatial, but something that I think will be a, a market changer, uh, a disruptive changer there, because no one else can do it the way that we will be able to do it. So I, I'm, I'm still looking forward to that kind of uh, disruptive change in the market further down the line. I don't know if we're talking about one or two years or, or five years. I'm not sure, but it's something that could be really massive. This also relates to something that's separate from spatial. Uh-huh. But if we talk to the customers that use these advanced spatial features, they are interested in things like time version graphs um, based on MVCC and other techniques. And I, I can imagine the product going in that direction anyway, not not just because of my interest in spatial or other people's interests in spatial, but we're seeing other markets interested in time version graphs and other aspects like that with really complex indices that back it that actually turn it into high performance data warehouses as well. Then you start to overlap the OLTP and OLAP areas as well, which I think is also an area that the, the company is interested in.
0: It's funny that you mentioned that, the time versioning bit, you know, I'm sure you've read some of the work that Ian Robinson did on that and uh, some of our customers have presented on it, but uh, yes. it's it's really, really cool and yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's, it's one of those things that uh, uh, lots of people have been showing an interest into. So, Greg, you know, thank you so much for coming online. Uh, I, you know that we want to keep these podcasts fairly short, uh, although we could uh, talk about these things for, for at least another hour. Uh, probably more of a beer conversation. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you so much for coming online. Uh, we'll put the transcription up uh, on the different uh, websites, and I'm sure that uh, if people want to reach out, they will. So uh, thank you so much. Thank you, Rick. It's been a pleasure. Thank you. Cheers. Bye. Bye.